We're in the series called Home. <clears throat> I've realized that there are different definitions for home. How one person defines home is not necessarily the way another person defines home. So I brought some definitions. Uh, you can let me know if this is yours or one of yours, if it's, this fits your definition. I, I brought them in some nice Instagrammable pictures because that's the thing right now. And I like to do the thing, whatever it is. So it's the thing to be Instagrammable. And uh, so here's the first one. This was pretty familiar. Home is where your heart is. Like we, we've all heard that one, that definition of what home is. That's a pretty easy one. Um, here's another one. Home is where your feet may leave, but not your heart. That's sweet, right? That's pretty sweet. Uh, here's another one I found. Home is where mom is. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't find one that said home is where dad is. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what to do about that. Um, here's one some of you will like. Home is where the coffee is. Like, oh, every morning. Some of you don't like coffee, so uh, there's one that says home is where the Nutella is. That works if you're not a coffee person. Or if you're a coffee person and a Nutella person, you combine the two. Home is where the coffee and the Nutella are. <clears throat> Here's a good one. Home is where the Wi-Fi connects automatically. <laughs> now, you don't have to ask, what's the password? Now, you already have it. It's already there in your phone. Uh, here's one. This will apply to some of you. Home is where the pants aren't. And like Some of you get really comfortable when you get home, right? We don't want to know about it. We don't want that image in our mind, but that's some of you. And then this one. This one's a... A little bit of a dated one, I think, but it's, it's well-known, it's, it's fairly popular, and it's the one that says, home is where you hang your hat. Um, how many of you have the hat rack still at the house? Anybody got the hat? All right, we got some. We didn't have anybody in the first service. I'm glad we got hat rack people in the second service, but it's a minor, minority of people still have the hat rack. Uh, I realize that some of you are pre-hat rack generation, so let me interpret this one for the pre-hat rack generation. Uh, this one means that home is home's wherever you find yourself. Like wherever you put your stuff, that's home. You, you could make home out of anywhere. Uh, no matter where you live or how many bedrooms you have, home is where you hang your hat. It's a way of saying you, you can make this place home if you have to. Some, some of us here today, we grew up in this area, um, went to school, met somebody from this area, married them, and are raising our kids here in this area. How many of you say, that's, that's kind of me, that's, that's close description to me, yep, yep. And then others of us moved around, different cities, different states, few, few of us lived in different countries, so we've had homes here, there, everywhere, states, uh, countries, all around. I, I've told you before that when Julie and I got married, we went on our honeymoon and then moved to Fort Worth, Texas, which... Our family was in South Carolina, and so we moved 15 hours away to Fort Worth, Texas, and we knew, sort of knew one other couple in the whole state of Texas, nobody in our apartment complex, I didn't know anybody I was going to be going to graduate school with, and so as a young couple, we just had to make that home. We just had to decide, okay, this is going to be home for a little while, let's just kind of figure it out and make it feel like home. And a lot of you have had that experience. That's uh, in moving from city to city, state to state, even country to country. Uh, you've had that sort of, well, we just had to make it home. Maybe for now, maybe for a season, for a short period of time, maybe for 
a longer period of time. Home just has to be where we hang our hats. There is a story in the Old Testament that sort of has that same theme. Uh, the, the Bible's divided into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they're chronological, so the Old Testament comes before, chronologically before the New Testament. The story that we're going to jump into happens around 600 B.C., so about 2,600 years ago. The details of this story uh, come to be. Now, to set that historically in things that are happening in that time, that's known as the archaic period in Greek history, which you all remember from your Greek history classes. You're probably talking about the archaic period in Greek history this past week. You... um, You covered college football, pro football, European football, and the archaic period in Greek history. If not, when you get to work on Tuesday, everybody's going to be talking about this, so you need to listen up. 600 B.C. is around the time that philosophy is getting its start. Sort of the forefathers of Socrates and that group of philosophers, they're starting to ask questions like, What's the meaning of the universe and why are we here? And so philosophy is getting kick-started around 600 B.C. The ancient Olympics has been, has been taking place every four years for about 175 years when this story takes place. So that's sort of Greek history, which was thriving at the time. That's what's taking place. Now, the Bible deals specifically with one group of people who lived in one area of the world in, in, in the Middle East, the, the nation of Israel, or the Hebrew children, call them by a lot of different names. Uh, the Bible's dealing with that group of people, and some interesting things are happening to that group of people. Um, they've had some really good kings, leaders. David is one of them. Then David's son Solomon comes along. Great, strong, wise leaders. Their territory had expanded, like they'd, they'd, they'd grown in the land that, that belonged to the nation. They had increased in their wealth. Like all of these great things were happening for the nation of Israel under David and Solomon. After Solomon, things start to get a little rocky. Uh, they, have a, they have other leaders. Some of them are good, but most of them are just terrible leaders. Most of them don't have a heart for God. And the Bible's just real clear about a lot of them. It's like he didn't do anything God wanted him to do, and things went south in a hurry. So you stack that together. You have a number, enough leaders back to back that aren't making good decisions, and the whole nation starts to crumble. At one point, the nation gets divided into northern and southern, kind of a civil war. They, they separate. They go their own way. Eventually, eventually, the nation's destroyed. And the people of, of Judah, Israel, they get carried away to this place called Babylon. Uh, Babylon, you probably heard the term. You, you know the place. So they come and they attack the nation, carry captives away. To Babylon. So this is not a good time for the nation of Israel. And, and within that time, one of the more famous verses is said. Right? Like one that some of you are going to know. Some of you won't. Don't worry about it if you don't know it. 
But a lot of you know it. A lot of you have this verse hanging on your wall at home, or you've Instagrammed this verse, or you've crocheted this verse if you're a crocheter, right? Like this is one of the verses that gets crocheted. If it's a crochet verse, you know it's a big verse. And so this is one of those verses. It's Jeremiah 29 11. We quote it a lot during graduation season. You know, a couple months ago, this verse, we're like giving it out to all the graduates. This is what it says. This is God speaking, Jeremiah telling the people, God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Really familiar verse. Really great verse. I mean, just right by itself. That's a great verse. No wonder we Instagram it and crochet it, right? That is a good, positive, thank you God sort of verse. The thing is, this verse means a lot more than we normally think it does. We, we think this is a good kind of God patting us on the back and encourages us. And it is. It's a good, hey, we can trust God because he's got everything under control. And it is. It's just that there were more things going on in the story when Jeremiah said this particular, this thing, this verse. Um, the nation of Israel, God's people, they were living in a place that wasn't home. Like everything about this other place was unusual to them. The customs were unusual. The, the religions were unusual. The, the government, the leadership, like nothing was familiar at all. Julie and I, I told you, we moved to Texas and we had to adjust in some ways because in Texas, when you order barbecue, you get beef. And I grew up in South Georgia, and I went to college in South Carolina. When you say barbecue in Georgia and South Carolina, it's pig every time, right? Maybe ketchup-based, maybe mustard-based, but underneath is pig. You go to Texas and you say, I'll have the barbecue, you're going to get beef brisket. And it's fabulous. Like, it is awesome. But it's just, it's not what you're used to. It's not what you're expecting. And so you, you kind of have to shift gears uh, in Texas, it could be sunny and beautiful, and five minutes later, you could be in the middle of a hailstorm. It's just crazy weather in Texas. So all of these things were, this isn't home. This is not the way it used to be. That's what the nation of Israel is experiencing. This isn't home. Like this, I, I'm not, this is not where I'm supposed to be. And into that scenario, God says, I, I, I know. I know the plans I have. You don't have to freak out. I know the plans that, you, that I have, and they're plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Now, part of this backstory, if you read chapter 28, there's another prophet on the scene, and that's what Jeremiah is. He's a prophet. He's telling the people what God is saying. In chapter 28, there's this other prophet named Hananiah. And Hananiah makes this pronouncement in Jeremiah chapter 28 to all the people. And he says this, look, I know things aren't good. <clears throat> I know you've been taken captive, but here's the awesome thing. Within two years, God's going to fix it. Within two years, God's going to defeat your enemies and God's going to bring all of you back home and you're going to move back into your house and your kids are going to play on their swing set and it's going to be awesome. You're going to go back to your church and you're going to 
plant your garden within two years, like maybe not even two years, like maybe a year, maybe six months, maybe next week, God is going to break through and he's going to make everything right and it's going to be awesome. And then Jeremiah speaks up. It's in chapter 28. You can read it for yourself. Jeremiah speaks up and says, I hope so. Like my translation, Jeremiah says, amen, brother, like right on. Like, I would love for that to happen. That would be awesome. I would be so thrilled if that's the way it played out. But that's not what I'm getting from God. Like I've been talking to God too, and I hadn't heard anything about two years. And the prophets that came before us, they saw this day coming. None of them said two years. So I want you to know, I hope it's two years. I don't think it's two years. If you read in Jeremiah chapter 25, Jeremiah had already gone on record with a number from God, and it wasn't two years, and it wasn't 10 years, and it wasn't 20 years. God had told Jeremiah, my people are going to be in captivity 70 years. 70. God said, we're not going to fix this next week. We're not going to change everything next month. I'm not going to solve all your problems in two years. Jeremiah 29, 11 is not a get out of jail free card. It's not one we just throw out and poof, God fixes everything. It was given to a people who had just been told, you're going to be living in a place that's not your home for 70 years. Now think about that. If you're reading that letter, because that's how they got the information, if you're reading that letter and you're in Babylon and you read 70 years, you know what that means for most of the people? They're not ever going home. They're not going home. Their kids are going to go back home. Their grandkids are going to go back home. But if you're an adult and God says to you, it's going to be 70 years, you're not making it 70 years. And there's a realization that you're going to spend the rest of your life and you're going to die in a place that's not your home. Now, if it's me, I'm team Hananiah all the way at this point, right? I'm like, I'm with the two-year guy. Like, I don't know about the 70-year-old guy. I don't know who he's talking to, but I'm, with, I'm team Hananiah. I'm all about some two years. I want to be out of here. I'm with Hananiah which is kind of the way we treat the voice of God often in our lives, isn't it? I mean, f let's just be honest. A lot of times, the voice of God sounds to me like what I want to hear. A lot of times, the, the Spirit of God moves into the direction that I want to go. And Jeremiah says, look, I, I hope he's right. I would love for us all to be back home in two years. I just don't think that's what God's up to. I think we're going to be here a while. And into that circumstance, Jeremiah said, God knows what he's doing. God knows the plans that he has for us. And they're good plans. Circumstances aren't good, but God's plans are are good. I love Jeremiah's humility. I love the fact that he says, look, I, if I'm wrong, I'll be happy. I'll be the happiest one about it. 
I just think that God's doing something long-term. And we're going to be in this situation for a really long time, but that doesn't mean that God's not doing good things. Here's Here's the principle, if you get nothing else out of this message, get this right here. God has a future and a hope for you, even if your future's not what you hoped for. God has a future and a hope for your life, even if your future is not what you hoped for. Here's the nation of Israel. Here's God's people, and they are not at home, and some of them are never going home. They are not in circumstances that they wanted to be in. And yet God's saying, you know what, right where you are, I have a future and a hope for you. I'm doing good in you. God has a future and a hope for us, even when our future's not what we hope for. Look, most of us here have lived long enough to know that not all of our dreams are going to come true. Most of us have lived long enough to know that the plans that we had aren't all going to happen the way we wanted them to happen. And I think if Jeremiah were here today, he would say, you know what? In spite of that, God's still working good in your life. God's still bringing hope and future and potential. And it may not go away tomorrow. The clouds may not lift tomorrow. But God's still at work. See, God's plans are good Not just when they get us out of circumstances, but also when they get us through the circumstances that we're in. Your team Hananiah too. Don't lie to me. Don't look at me like I'm the only one. Your team Hananiah too. Like your team, get me out. Change things. Make it better. Make it go away. Let somebody know they did wrong. Attack my enemies. Come on, we're all team Hananiah. We want to get out. But Jeremiah is trying to say, you know, sometimes the good work that God does in us is in the middle and through the circumstances we're in, not making those circumstances go away. I mean, Jeremiah's message to the nation was, you're going to have a new home, and that's okay. You're going to have a different future, and that's okay. Here's what he says in verse four through, verses 4 through 7. This is what the Lord Almighty, <clears throat> the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also... Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And if I could paraphrase, this is Jeremiah's way of saying, home's going to be where you hang your hat for the next 70 years. Like, settle down. Live where you are. Get comfortable where you are. Live your life where you are. Don't spend all of your time trying to figure out what life is going to be when you get out of this circumstance, when you get out of this set of circumstances. Don't spend all of your energy and all of your emotion 
waiting for, longing for everything to be different because they may not be different for a while. They may not change. Instead, Jeremiah says, could, could you accept and appreciate that God is doing something right where you are? And yeah, maybe you'll be out of it. It's, maybe it's two years, maybe it's ten years, maybe it's five months. Maybe you're going to come out of it, but don't be in such a hurry to get out of it <clears throat> that you don't appreciate and don't become grateful for what God is doing while you're in it because He's He's working good and future and hope even in the middle of what you're going through. Another way to think about it. Life shouldn't be put on pause just because our circumstances aren't ideal. And sometimes I respond that way to difficult circumstances. Okay, I just got to wait this out. All right, we just got to get to the end of this. All right. Things are going to be different soon. We just kind of got to hold on. We just got to hunker down here. We got to settle down. We just got to wait this out. I'm just going to pray, and I'm just going to wait this out. And Jeremiah says, it's, it's not really about waiting it out. It's about discovering what God's doing where you are. It's not pressing the pause button on life and hoping that things hurry up and, and become different. It's finding out, God, what are you doing where I am right now? In what I'm experiencing right now. Jeremiah's message is not even, hey, just kind of take care of you. You just got to protect you. Kind of huddle your family, get your people together, and you just kind of hang on through this storm. You just got to wait it out. That's not his message either. Jeremiah says, look, in the middle of you not being home, I want you to work for the prosperity of wherever you are. I I, I want you to do good wherever you are. I I want you to actively pursue helping this city that you're in. And I know it's not your home. And I know they don't believe what you believe. And I know their religion's different and their customs are different. And you don't like anything about the place where you are. But work for the prosperity, the goodness, the growth, the health of where you are. Notice he didn't say, try to straighten that city out where you live. Like you need to protest and you need to march on City Hall and like you need to let your voice be heard. I understand there are times that we have to take a stand and we have to be clear and we, we have to speak truth. I understand all of that. In this situation, the nation of Israel is in a foreign place. They're having to make home in a place that's not their home. And Jeremiah's advice to them is not just do a lot of protesting. Jeremiah's advice to them is, why don't don't you try to do good where you are? Why don't you try to contribute to the city, the environment, the community where God has you right now and see what God might do? I mean, see what he might do in you. See what he might do in that community. You don't know. He even even warns them, if you keep reading, he says, look, there are going to be people who come along all the time and tell you that, oh, it's about to be over. God's about to change everything. Like, everything's going to get turned upside down. God's going to come through. 
You're going to be set free and your enemies are going to realize they were wrong. And God says to Jeremiah, they're lying. Like these people who keep coming along and telling you, oh, you should be happy, right? Oh, you sh- your life should be easy if you follow Jesus. Like you shouldn't have any struggles. Like God just wants you to be happy all the time. You take care of you. Like you're the most important thing. You- 2,600 years ago, God said through Jeremiah, these people are lying. Life doesn't work like that. <laughs> Life doesn't work like that, and God usually doesn't work like that. God usually works through the difficulties of our circumstances and our moments. In times when we go, I don't get it, I'd like, I wish it were different, but I'm here right now, and so I'm going to do good here. I'm going to work for good here. I'm going to pray for good here. Jeremiah's message is basically, live your life and do good. Just live your life and do good. Which is a pretty good motto for life, isn't it? Just live your life and do good. I know it's not complete and you need some theology in there somewhere, I guess. But, but Jeremiah's just saying, where you find yourself right now, live your life and do good every chance you get. Contribute every chance you get. Somehow... <clears throat> We ended up with our home in between Georgia. There are people 20 minutes from here who don't know what between is. It's, the weird, it's like, I don't have to talk to somebody from Mississippi for them to be confused about where between. I can talk to people in Conyers. And they're like, where? Between what? Somehow we ended up in between. We looked at so many buildings and warehouses and land. Angio Shields and Doug Minton, they drove me around and we talked about all, just all kinds of great things. We looked at the old middle school. We looked at the old elementary school. We looked at a preschool that was closing. We looked everywhere and somehow we end up in between. And I don't know... Like, if we'd come to all of you and said, hey, where do you want our church to be? I don't know how many of you would have said, let's get in between. Like, let's so be in between. If we'd ask you, uh, okay, what do you want the rooms to look like? How many rooms do you want? What should we build? You probably would have come up with something different. I, I, I get it. I, I know, but let's make it home. I mean, for whatever reason, this is where God put us. And God set us down here in miraculous ways that none of us can fully explain. God, God said, this is it, so why don't you just let this be home? Why don't you live your life here and do good? And that's what we've come to do. We've come to live out the life of Christ that he's put in us from right here and to do good. And some of our people are doing that through, through fostering and adoption. They're loving the, the most vulnerable of people in our society. And it's not because the system is perfect. It's not because there's this great thing out there that's happening and we want to be a part of it. Like they know the system's broken. They deal with it every week, every day. 
but there are families who have just decided we're going to live our life and do good in the midst of brokenness. We're just going to live our life and do good. And we can't do good for everybody. We can do good for one. We can do good maybe for two. And so they foster and they adopt. We have care teams now that are coming around them and encouraging them and supporting them and praying for them and helping to meet their needs. Many of our people are, are joining these care teams. We could use many more to get on care teams and sponsor families who foster and adopt. We have people in our church who are court-appointed special advocates. Again, standing up for the most vulnerable and innocent of our society. We have some right now who are going through training right now to be court-appointed special advocates. We have a new partnership coming online with Loganville Ministry Village. It's the reason we serve lunches at the fish in the summer. Because for whatever reason, this is our home, and we're going to live our life and do good from here. We're going to find ways that the light of Christ and the mission of Christ can go forth. Will it be perfect all the time? No. Will it be just the way we want it all the time? No, but that's okay. We're just going to live life and do good. And we're going to pray for this city and this community, and we're going to ask God to show us how can we work for the prosperity and good of the community that we're in? We're just going to call it home. And we're going to end today in a way that we have never been able to end before. The band's going to come back in just a minute and they're going to play. If you need, if you need to, to talk to God about something, we're going to ask you to come forward and pray. We couldn't do that at the old building because people would get trampled, right? Because we had about this much room at the front of the stage at the old building. Some of you didn't worship with us there, but it was tiny. And if we'd have done this at the old place, we'd have had to call the EMTs because somebody would have gotten hurt in the process. But here, like this is home. This is home. We can come and we can pray. And there's some right now, and to borrow the Old Testament language, you've, you've been in Babylon and you're trying to figure out how to make it home. And you want it to end, like you, you, your team Hananiah, you want it two years, but you're not sure it's going to be two years. And so you need to come and you need to say, God, help me where I am to live life and do good. Help me to be reminded that your plans are good even here, even in these circumstances, not just when I get out of these circumstances. You have future and a hope for me, even though my future's not what I hoped it would be. And if there's some of that going on in your life and in your heart, I'm going to invite you when the band plays that you would come and you just pray. You just pour out your heart to God. Maybe others of you, you would come and you pray for this city, this community, this area that's our home. That you would call out to God and say, God, we, we want to work for the prosperity of this area. We want to work for the good of this area. Show us how. I invite you. If God leads you to come pray, this isn't, this isn't like a spiritual test, like you're more spiritual if you come or you're less spiritual. It's, not, it's never that. But there are just some times that some people need to come and just pour things out to God. And sometimes coming to the front helps with that.
So as the band plays, I'd invite you to come. God, thank you for warning us about false promises. The religious world is so full of false promises. God wants every day to be sunshine. God wants me to be happy. God makes everything work out just great and it's fun. Jeremiah stood up one day and said, it's awesome when when it happens like that. Amen to that. Sometimes it's 70 long years. And in those times, help us to remember that you are still good and your plans are still good. Help us to remember you have a future full of hope even when our future is not what we hope for. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? The band's going to play. If you need to spend a few minutes with God, I'm just going to invite you to come.